Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, and it is the final player profile and projection of the 2023 season. And you know what that means. For the fifth year in a row, actually fourth year in a row, we did Eli the last one in 2019. For the fourth Liar. year in a row, Daniel Jones, Daniel Stephen Jones, the six foot five, two hundred twenty, twenty six year old franchise quarterback, was drafted six overall and got a four year, one hundred sixty million dollar contract from a regime that didn't draft him. Justin, this fact is kind of insane, and I think it speaks to resilience and why I love him out of the draft and watching those Duke games that made me like him so much. And early on in his career, after he would take hit after hit from his blind side. He's the first ever quarterback to have his fifth-year option declined and re-sign with the team that drafted him. The first ever. He's resilient, man. Like, all the crap that he's been through, he's come out of this on top. And there's still work to be done, and there's still more games to be won. But, man, like, it's you got to be happy for Daniel Jones to come out of this on top, where he was truly left for dead last year with a, a regime that didn't that draw, uh, declined his option which was a death sentence every other time before that and rolled out David Sills, Kenny Gold and Richie James as their starting receivers week 1. And there were people even inside the building Bobby that we talked to that were pretty certain at the start they're, of the season like, it's that done. it's done. That they he's told not us, coming it's back. Done. Yeah. So credit to him, you know, and the the main barometer and I was even listening, you know, it's funny, I was listening back to Bleeding Blue from 2019, and David Powis and I were, were talking about, after that Washington game, after the Andrew Thomas Bowl, we were we were talking about, like, man, the perception on Daniel Jones changes if you just win some games. And man, we finally, we finally won some games, and I feel like most importantly, you saw him in a playoff stage, and uh, that Philadelphia Eagles game doesn't exist, doesn't exist in my brain, no, I'm not going to talk about it. You saw him on a playoff stage, and man, he conquered the moment. On the road, which was really, really awesome, and now to say I'm I'm most excited for him, as long as uh, along with every other Giants fan, I'm most excited for Daniel Jones because now we've been cl clamoring for the coaching. He's got the coaching, he's got the schematics, continuity with Dable and Kafka, year two, and now we got some dudes behind him. We got Darren Waller, you got Paris Campbell, you got Darius Slayton back, you got Isaiah Hodgins back, you got more guys that I'm not naming, Jalen Hyatt. You got the dudes behind him and the horses, the hosses, the, the Jimmys and the Joes that we've also been waiting for Daniel Jones to have for the last couple of years now. And last year on this player profile, the theme of it was like, is this the last player profile of Daniel Jones? And we were kind of like, yeah, this is it. You know, like you said, we had heard from people in yeah. the building. The camp went really bad. And in reality, at this time last year. You looked at this roster and said they're not going to win games. But we were talking about what does Daniel Jones have to do to come back? Because me and you, for large part, like Daniel Jones, even last year, we have talked about how, like, we'll go through, like, watch his film. It's not bad. There are some bad games in there the last couple of years, you know, like the Bucks game and the Rams game. But overall, his film's pretty damn solid. It's at least He's at least a solid quarterback in the NFL, but with the new regime where, like, it's probably done, though. And we came to the like, conclusion, we finally just said it is that what does he need to do to be back? And we're talking about, well, be top 10 statistically. Da, da, da. And we're just like, you know what? In reality, as football, as meatheadish as it is, he has to win games. He has to put them in a spot where they aren't drafting a quarterback. He has to put them in a spot where they feel the need to re-sign him. 
And that's exactly what happened, Justin. They went out. They went to the playoffs. He had an amazing first playoff game. He did have a really bad second playoff game versus He didn't show up very well for that game. But he, he earned himself coming back, even though the contract did set a new precedent for QBs in his tier. Quarterbacks in his tier by about a percent or so. But last year, Justin, in 2022, he completed 67.2% of his passes, 3,200 yards, which was 200 yards per game, which shockingly enough was a career low for him in yards per game. You know, with Jason Garrett, he had 220 and 210 the years before. And then with Pat Shermer, he had 250 yards per game. When you lose games, you're throwing in the fourth quarter. And he well, had, they were they were behind too, but they they ran the ball a lot in the second half and came and came back, which is funny. Yeah, he had 15 touchdown passes and then five interceptions, in, and on the ground he had 700 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. So did have a career high in rushing, but he also did something that, you know, I talked about his rookie year having 250 passing yards per game. Well, he didn't do this his rookie year. He had the lowest interception rate in the NFL, but honestly, Daniel Jones had been taking care of the ball a lot. Uh, for a lot longer time than people had realized. You know, essentially, I, you know, I went back and looked at it, Justin. After that 2020 Monday Night Football Tampa game, that was just a disaster. Disaster class from Daniel Jones. His interception rate has been 1.3% from between that game and then through 2021. So not even counting last year, which would have been third best this past season. So the interception stuff had kind of went away since the second half of his 2020 season. Right, but I would say him even not turning the ball over. Let uh, like let's just look at last year, him not turning the ball over and keeping the offense on schedule because the Giants' offense, and we'll talk about this too. They were last in, ex- in total explosive pass plays. They were dead last thirty second. Which again, if you were to tell me at the beginning of last year that the Giants' offense would be dead last in explosive pass plays, they would. I think they were thirty first in twenty twenty one. So the fact that they were 32nd in 2022, you tell me that they won nine games and they won a playoff game, I'd say you're on crack. We love crack on this podcast. But him not throwing interceptions and keeping the offense on schedule because they were not explosive was one of the biggest W's of the 2022 season and the 2022 offense. Yeah, he operated what they put on his plate near flawlessly after the first two games of the year. But let's just right. operate after that because that's who we're that's who the quarterback of the Giants is now, is that player. After those first two games of the season, he operated what they put on his plate, like I said, damn near flawlessly. But with that was, like you mentioned, he had the second lowest 20-plus yard uh, attempts in the NFL. Out of 40 quarterbacks, he was 39th. Only Matt Ryan was lower, and his arm was totally shot. And it wasn't just by, like, a little bit. The difference between him and 38th is the difference between 38th and 17th. Was 40th out of 40 in average depth of target at 6.4 yards. The, the But the reason why I don't go too crazy on that is he wasn't passing up a bunch of deep shots. Now, you go back and watch film there here and there, but just, like, deep 20-plus yard air shots, they they didn't pass up a ton. There's a couple. There's one in Seattle that comes to my mind. Um, I'm trying to think of if there's any other one, you know, outside of those first two games of the season. But I, is, is there any that I'm I'm missing? But what he did pass up on Justin, and this is where we need to see improvement, is those hole shots on the sideline. Yes. He passed those up almost like consistently passed those up. And we again, we don't know what he's being taught, but. You want to take those shots, and those are something that he has to do to take the next step as a quarterback. Like, I don't think there's these big steps that he needs to take as a quarterback. I think it's taking those shots and looking for some of those tight window throws more often. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when you take those whole shot throws, you're becoming more explosive. That's a priority that Mike Kafka has, Brian Dable, that they've all talked, Joe Shane, they've all talked about it all offseason. And that's why they've added the speed that they have and the players that they have. I've read this stat before on this podcast. I will read it again. And I feel like I've been talking about this for three years, but it's it's the most important thing in football right now. Record of teams based on where they finish in explosive pass play rankings in game neutral situations. If you were a top 10 team, you had a you had a record, you had a winning percentage of 67.2.2%. If you were in the middle 12, you you had a, a winning percentage of 47.55%. If you were in the bottom 10, you had a Winning percentage of 35.4%. The Giants, I believe, were the only team that made the playoffs last year that like weren't in like the top seven most explosive pass pass offenses in the National Football League. And I think that's like poor per Warren Sharp, and he put that out today. Let's talk about that and the way they ran this offense. Because like I said, he operated what they did flawlessly. I would watch film of the games two, three times. You would see one or two mistakes in a game. And these and the mistakes weren't like, oh my god, he threw it into the hands of a defender. It's like he passed up on something he should have hit. And his adjusted completion percentage when you account for drops was 81%. Guess what? That's first in the NFL. So he was putting the ball in the right spots like on a damn near perfect level. But like you said, they didn't produce the explosives. Now there's a couple factors into that. One could be just, hey... Daniel Jones, they don't like he's he's a conservative quarterback, but there's other things into that. They didn't have the receivers to just go out there and win, right? Because if you're playing man coverage, you can just go out there and win and create explosive plays without great protection. But when you don't, you kind of need protection up front because what you got to do is you got to put defenders in conflict and then you got to protect against sacks. Well, guess what? They did not protect Daniel Jones because of Evan Neal and Gowinski and Feliciano and, you know, left guard when Bredesen wasn't out there. Daniel Jones had the second highest pressure in the rush rate in the NFL at 42%. There was 32 QBs with 100 or more dropbacks of pressure. Daniel Jones had the second highest percentage of that. Is that from PFF? Yes. Okay. He also had the third highest completion percentage in that at 55.6%. He had the lowest interception rate by almost double than the next guy. But he also wasn't this guy who was creating pressure either. Right? There's quarterbacks like Justin Fields last year who created pressure along with the bad offensive line in front of him. Because he was great, he was really good at avoiding sacks. He was 12th best in pressure to sack percentage, despite being sacked the fifth most in the NFL. He was sacked the fifth most in the NFL, yet he was 12th best in pressure to sack percentage in the NFL. There's 10 QBs that were sacked more than 35 times. Only Herbert was better at avoiding the pressure than him. Yeah. Only him. So not only was he able to deliver the ball accurately at the top of the league under pressure while dealing with the most pressure, he didn't make the mistakes that other quarterbacks made, and he also avoided the sacks better than all the quarterbacks except for Justin Herbert. He has become a lot better at manipulating the pocket, and now that they gave him an offense that uh, you know is operable, that works like Brian Dable and Mike Kafka to compare to Jason Garrett, it really showed up. And I think the thing that they added, though, that helped with that the most, Justin, was more more push for him to be a scrambler, a scrambler, oh, which yeah. we did not see for the first three years of his career, really. Yeah, one one hundred percent. You know, I, I think the 
schematics unlocked Daniel Jones and you saw a career high in on, on target percentage. And this is according to pro football reference, 81% on target percentage, which is about 5% higher than his previous career best in 2021. The bad throw percentage went down about five to 6% down to 12.2 where previously he was floating around uh, eight, somewhere around 18% throughout 2019 to 2021 and allowing him to run and having his legs as a, as a, a weapon and what what's the most efficient play in football? You've you've heard me ask this question before. What is the most efficient play in the game of football? QB scramble attempt. When a QB drops back to pass and then he decides to tuck it and he's going to run and he's going to scramble because you know you'll have guys running all over the field and you're not accounting. You're and on a pass play, you're you're not thinking of a quarterback that is going to do that. And the fact that Daniel Jones can do that and he and when he's at when he gets to his top speed, he's so fast, it just on. It unlocks, it does change the offense. And Brian Dable said, you're good at this. I'm going to allow you to do it, which I feel like not even Shermer really fully like allowed him to do it. And like, okay, go and do it. And a lot of fans were saying, well, I don't want Daniel Jones running. I, I kind of feel like it's a necessary evil because he's just that good at it. And it's so necessary to do in the NFL. I said it during the Saquon Barkley PPP, but there was no QB running back combo that combined for more 10 plus yard runs than Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And Daniel Jones was at the 12th most runs of 10 plus yards in the NFL with 27. That changes your offense. A 10 yard, a 10 plus yard play is a 10 plus yard play. It doesn't really matter how it comes. Yeah. I mean, they, they were the second highest rushing combo in the NFL after Jalen Hurts and, and Miles Sanders, I believe. But yeah, he averaged like, so he had career highs in rushing, obviously. But 27 yards per game came on scrambles, which was twice the amount uh, per year than the Jason Garrett years and eight more yards per game than the Shermer years. And like he scrambled two, like, more, two more times per game. But he also scrambled to throw, too, which we didn't see a ton before in his career. So it's not just like rushing. Like He scrambled to throw, and that you saw that happen in the red zone a lot more, and where Isaiah Hodgins and Reggie James were able to get some of their touchdowns. Let's so see scrambling. more triple options. Yeah, scrambling, scrambling to throw, and then also you know, scrambling to run, which he did uh, a lot more, where, again, I said he had a lot more rushing yards per game. It wasn't from more of the option runs, the design runs. Like, he averaged 17 more yards uh, per game. That comes from the scrambling than he did the year before. Like, that's that's essentially where all the the rushing increase comes from is the scrambling, not the design stuff. Because if there's one thing that Judge and Garrett figured out a few games in the 2020 was the design rushing stuff for DJ. For sure. Where do you want to go? Because there's some first and second down stuff and – uh, you know, unlocking Daniel Jones on early downs and throwing more on early downs should be a goal that we have this year, and I have stats to to back that up. Um, do you want to talk about something, or do you want to? What do you want? Where do you want to go? Um, because I, I want to get into his project. I want to do the ad uh, talk about Manscaped before we talk about what happens this season with him with the new weapon. So why don't you talk to us about like first and second down stuff? All right, sure. So I'll talk to you about first and second down stuff because we said on yesterday's PPP with Saquon Barkley that Saquon Barkley's 2023 should not be based on volume. It should be based on efficiency. And what, well, what do we mean by that? If he's going to be getting the ball less then Daniel Jones is going to be getting the ball more. And I want Daniel Jones throwing the ball more on first and second down when the giants kind of committed, I'm putting committed in quotes when they committed to throwing the ball on first and second down a little uh, more than they did in the first half of the season, I would say it's weeks 13 to 17. So here's Daniel Jones weeks 13 to 17, first and second down performance. And you could be saying to yourself, well, 
Daniel Jones needs Saquon Barkley, and without the running game, Daniel Jones is crap. And I think we, this stretch on first and second down weeks, 13 to 17, proves you wrong. Uh, Daniel Jones. Playoffs, too. And the playoffs. Daniel Jones weeks 13 to 17, first and second down performance. He was fourth in EPA per play. He was first in CPOE. He was fourth in quarterback rating, first in completion percentage, seventh in yards per attempt, and oh yeah, doing all that while 25th last in average air yards per attempt. When Brian Dable let Daniel Jones operate a drop back offense on early downs, Daniel Jones produced. And also, little little tad bit nugget. And that's not including the playoff game where he cooked either. Does not it does not include the playoff game. And a little tad bit of a nugget. His first down numbers are okay, Daniel Jones. But his second down numbers are incredible. He was first in the NFL in EPA EPA and CPUE composite all last year on second down. Um, second down, he had a completion percentage of 74.5, 1,300s of his yards, 10 of his 15 passing touchdowns, 62 first downs more than any other down, um, and had yards per attempt 8.1. There was no other down where he averaged more than 6.4. 30 first downs on second down, where third down, he had 15 first downs, first down eight, fourth down four. So I don't know what it was, Bobby. We were even trying to think even like a little bit before the show. I don't know what it was on second down where Daniel Jones just became literally the most efficient QB on second down out of the entire NFL. I don't know what happened, but it happened last year. Yeah, and overall, like I think he was 12th in EPA per game last year for quarterbacks. Yeah, or overall. Or per play, not per game, per play. EPA, CPOE, composite. Composite, he was 12th. And it showed, right? Like That's kind of where he was at in the NFL last year, but he also stepped up. You know, he you know got a lot better towards the end of the season. Why don't you talk to us about Manscaped, and then we can talk about this season with Daniel Jones. Yeah, let's do it. Is there anything? Was I mean, what else do you have on notes and stuff? Because I talked about the pressure, the scrambling, you know, average depth of target, taking the whole shots and stuff like that. But now we can. Is there anything else you wanted to really hit on? Yeah, I guess another another schematic thing where we complained for years and years with Garrett that nobody was ever open, and the numbers back that up uh, with the aggressiveness percentage. This is a stat on NextGen. Uh, it was 18% in 2021, 17.6% in 2020. That was you know near the bottom of the league. Uh, this past year, even with some receivers that weren't great, 13.8% aggressiveness rate. Uh, which was certainly, you know, in the bottom echelon uh, of, you know, you want that number to be less because then that means that you're not throwing into tight windows and your receivers are open. You're throwing to open receivers, which is what we've always wanted for Daniel Jones because things have always been so difficult for him. Let's talk about a line that we had towards the end of the season on a mailbag. And people, some people took it the wrong way, but I think majority of people understood it. Where we said... We don't think Daniel Jones has improved greatly. But he was all, always like this kind of quarterback, but he had the worst coaching in the league. And Justin, getting ready for this and doing my notes for this, it really brought back my hate for Jason Garrett on how much he don't held back that. this dude. How much he held back this dude. Because everything is like a smile. Everything. It's like 2019. Cool, 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 cool. Besides the turnovers. And then it dips. And then it comes back up once Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. He just had better coaching around him. Now, he did get better in areas, like we talked about. I think the main thing that they made him better at was a more of an improviser, which was scrambling to run, you know, which he added almost, you know, twice the amount per game than he did with Garrett. And then also scrambling to throw, especially down in the red zone. I think that helped. And that's why they were one of the best red zone offenses in the NFL. Yes. So 
like using his legs outside of this the design stuff so that's where i think this coaching staff got the most like really improved the most out of him was like pushing him like improvise improvise man don't not everything has to be uh you know perfectly like we drew it up on the you know drew up like on the board when it's when it's when it is cool but when it's not don't be afraid to go and improvise and that's why i mean that's why we saw him be so amazing in that vikings game despite the fact that his right tackle is getting his ass kicked on a down in down out basis it's the nfl bro you see the best quarterbacks every primetime game that you watch that's fun on sunday night football where there's primetime qb matchups it's these qbs that are improvising and i'm not saying that daniel jones is going to be running back there like rogers and mahomes and lamar jackson do but it's part of the game and you got to be able to do it somewhat and this coaching staff let daniel jones do it last year and hopefully you can continue to get better at it with better weapons um, so let's talk of, about let's talk about manscape and then we'll talk about the thing there's a film he needs to get better at and then we'll talk about the additions and what we expect speaking of better weapons boy do i have something to talk to you about it's manscaped today's ppp the final ppp is brought to you by manscaped. thank you so much manscaped for bringing us all the ppps bringing us to all the training camp practices we're on to the season and, and manscaped will be there with us because they're the best but a sincere thank you to Manscaped. I just I just used it in the shower getting ready for this Daniel oh. Jones. Like, I, I actually thought about it, too. I was Celebrate. like, yeah, this is a celebration of the end of PPP season. And Daniel Jones is back for another one. And he's going to be back for another one next year. And it's a question at the gonna... end of this player profile. Like, is this Daniel Jones last year? Or the Jones? We don't. We don't. He's back. And so is Manscaped. They're going to be back. I know it. I know Guaranteed. it in my heart. If you didn't already know, Manscaped now sells beard products. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming changed the game with their Beard Hedger Pro Kit. They're now going a step further with the Handyman, which is right here in the box. I'm going to take it out, and I'm going to use it on my face after I'm done reading this ad read. An electric face shaver for a quick and convenient way to achieve a clean-shaven Look, and if you're like me, you know clean shaving is a hassle. The Handyman is the perfect compact tool I could take with me on the go to achieve that clean shaven look without all of the effort. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use promo code GIANTS. Hit the refresh button with Manscaped. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. And thank you to Manscaped from the bottom of my heart. You will be glad you did. Thank you so much, Manscaped. We love you. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Where does Daniel Jones need to get better just on film? We talked about those hole shots. And I know it's like you're picking at this one thing. But if he doesn't take those, they're not going to put more on the menu for him. You have to take those when they are there. You have to take those when they are there. And also now that you have Jalen Hyatt, you got to let that thing go. You got to just know. You just got to trust that I, I'm going to let this thing go. Because honestly, because Daniel Jones has really good arm talent, but he doesn't have the elite arm talent of the Josh Allen's, the Patrick Mahomes. And I, and I don't see him ever getting on that level, and that's fine. But Jalen Hyatt, Justin, is the first player in four years where Daniel Jones not having that elite arm talent gives me like, oh, like those guys would probably get a little more out of Hyatt, which means for Daniel Jones. You got to be able to, you got to just pull the trigger on those types of throws. You got to put them yeah. on ropes. You got to put those in the holes on the sideline. You got to let, you know, let go of that ball earlier. You got to wait. You can't wait for him to stack a, a corner. Yeah. You kind of just got to throw it to him. So it's one, taking those hole shots that are there. But if you don't take those, 
they're not going to put the other stuff on the menu for you. They're not going to specifically put in the game plan. So now that you have this Jalen Hyatt piece, you got to go and fix the stuff you did last year. And we've seen him do it in camp a little bit too, which is encouraging. We've seen him have a great training camp. But also, when they do put more, when they do put more on the menu for him, because they're going to. If Evan Neal's improved, and this, you know, yeah, the addition of Darren Waller, Hyatt, and the other receivers, it's improved. That when they put the stuff that wasn't on the on the playbook last year back on, you got to hit the shit. You just you just have to. Yeah. Because if we like you mentioned, you can't you can't duplicate what you did last year every year of your career, or you won't go very far. No. No, and, and this even includes the middle of the field too. I feel uh, does Holshot for especially I'm asking this because maybe genuinely I don't know, and you know I'm sure there's some people listening to this right or, you know that are wondering for themselves. Whole shot is defined like kind of like by the sideline, like you're kind of throwing thrown between like levels of defenders. Yeah, when you have a high low read, like two man two man game on the sideline, and they have like a safety deep, and then a corner clouding yeah. playing the flat type of thing. I'm so even it's like thinking you run a flat in a corner, and the corner should be there, but the safety's trying to close in on it. I'm even thinking the middle of the field too with some of these twenty plus yard completions because Jones was thirty first. And 20-plus air yard, air yard completions with only one of 25 being completed in the middle of the field as classified by, like, the NFL. They The NFL classifies, like, outside, you know, outside yeah. left, outside right, and then middle. They don't get super specific um, with all their stuff. But Hyatt, should, Hyatt and Wallace should be interesting to that because middle of the field is, like, that's a be a dude for a receiver area of the field. Yeah, which you I know, mean, most, that, most they teams, have that, especially know? teams playing the Giants last year because they were so run heavy, they kept the middle of the field closed. Like they didn't, they didn't face a ton of middle field open stuff. Like a lot of teams did because of their heavy rush attack and only having one wide receiver yeah. that you had to respect deep in Darius Slayton. But if Daniel Jones's spray charts do not get more diverse from a depth standpoint, and then also a target standpoint in terms of where he's targeting on the football field. If that doesn't get more diverse then teams like the Eagles, like we saw now I'm acknowledging the playoff game teams like the Eagles in the divisional round are going to figure out your offense. They're going to figure out what you're doing on early downs. They're going to figure out the quick passing game. You need to integrate and you need to get diverse on where you throw and where you target around the field. So defenses need to account for more things happening. Right? Agreed 100%. Let's talk about the new additions and how they fall into place for Daniel Jones. Justin, if Darren Waller stays healthy, I think it's really going to change the perception around the league on Daniel Jones. I really do. We've never gotten to see him with something like this. And we've seen it in camp, Justin. We saw it for one drive in the preseason. I really do think him finally having a guy who's just better than everyone else he's never had that in the receiving game i truly think it's going to take his game to another level even if evan neal it doesn't improve which i think evan neal will improve where evan neal makes it like really a really good and then you so if you keep waller healthy justin he has that star i think the wide receiver room is fun enough and balanced enough to where you have the high and slate and speed the high speed is crazy you have Paris Campbell, who's an upgrade over over Richie James. We'll see what Wandale's back. You kind of have a chain mover in Cole Beasley. Shep, we'll see you get out of him. Hodgins is, you know, the reliable route runner who's going to separate in the quick game versus man coverage and get open in the red zone. I feel like you have enough pieces with this coaching staff 
My expectation for Daniel Jones, if Darren Waller stays healthy, is no debating like where I can, where I'm not going to, you know, you know me, I'm not going to, I don't get into these like, oh, is Daniel Jones top 10 or 11th or 12th? Because I'm like, he hasn't firmly put himself in there. So I'm not going to sit here and try and split hairs. But at the end of the year, I want to be saying, and I expect to be saying he's top 10. Like without just not even having to argue about it. Just being like, no, he's top ten, and I don't feel I don't feel the need to greatly defend my defend it because his play does it, and it's obvious. And in twenty twenty four, there's a forty five million dollar cap hit. I know the cap's going to go up, does every year, but that's a big cap hit. His cap hit this year is twenty one point seven five million dollars. It's nine point five percent of the cap. Forty five million is seventeen point six percent of the cap. We've seen the Giants in contracts that they don't like. They're willing to sit at numbers that are uncomfortable, a la Leonard Williams, a la Dory Jackson. Those guys are on the last years of their deals, and maybe you would think that the team would extend them and try and push money back. If Daniel Jones has a year that we're hoping that he has, maybe that $45 million, maybe that $45 million number, number is brought down. And maybe it's pushed back to some years. And I'm hoping at the end of this, we're saying, let's go. Daniel Jones, you're in blue for a long time. Get you here, even in your 30s. Let's get the, let's get the team more help. Push money down the road. This is what all the NFL teams are doing, just pushing money down the road. Let's not live with that $45 million cap hit next year. Let's feel comfortable enough with Daniel Jones as a quarterback that we can push that money back, and he's the guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I expect it out of him. I really do. Let's win some games. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, if this guy, like, no, let's just, let's, every, the people who are healthy right now are healthy right now. And if they stay that way for the majority of the season, I truly do believe this, that he's going to be comfortably in the top 10. He needs to stay healthy too. <laughs> yes, true. He, he had an outlier year last year of staying healthy and he even got banged up in the Bears game and played the next week later. So we said it last year, Justin, this is the end of player profile season. I remember after the end of the 2019 one being like, uh, 2021, like, don't be a dick. Like, this guy's good. Have some trust and faith in him. Do not be, you know, nitpicky. And then after that year, it was like a lot of just breaking down to who is it was a player. And then after that, it was like, this is probably it. But now we are talking about like years and years and years ahead. And I hope he's here for a long time. I hope we never have to change Daniel Jones being the player profile until we're we're sad and emotional that he's gone type of stuff. And we're old. Yes, old. Old and washed up talking Giants. Yep. Um, so, Justin, any last words before we end player profile season? A Can thank I you th- to the listeners. I was going to thank people. Um, re- really, this summer and our camp coverage and our PPPs, we've hit milestones that I didn't think Bobby and I really envisioned. And this entire offseason, we've, we've hit milestones that we really didn't entirely vision. I don't, I don't do like projections like some people in the company do, but um, like Dave, because of this off season and because of all of you, I, I do know this, that people that do make projections at John Boy Media have changed what they are expecting out of Talking Giants this year. And it's because of everybody that listens and because of everybody that rides and dies with us. And it's all Our because family, of you. the listeners, the family. So thank you so much. This has been such a fun summer. I'm so ready for Dallas week one. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking kill him. Let's win some games. Let's win some games. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you tomorrow for 53-man roster, boogie bash, and reaction, all that stuff. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go 
big blue.